What is up? What is up, everybody? It is the Hobby with Cage, episode 30. I can't believe it. Woo! 30 episodes. 30. We got 30 of these going on here. That's pretty nuts. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for today? Because today is going to be an interesting one. Um, I haven't got to chat with you guys in a, in a couple days. Weekend. It was a Monday episode. And um, got some really great positive feedback about last week. The Monday, Wednesday, bear case, bull case. Um, I haven't seen that done in the hobby. Um, and I think a lot of that is not just originality on my part. Pat on the back, pat on the back, pat on the back. But just the, you know, the current state of the hobby, state of the industry, state of affairs makes that type of uh, content relevant now, I believe. Um, and it leads me to my title for today. Is there room for both collectors and investors? And it's uh, it's something I just want to jump on here and chat about. Um, haven't talked about the you know those two episodes Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday we did our live Coffee with Cage on Drip. If you guys uh, you know weren't able to catch that, I simulcast it on YouTube, so you were able to catch it on YouTube. We'll do it again on Friday. Giveaways, a lot of cool giveaways, giveaways, freebies, question and answer, you know, typical Coffee with Cage stuff, but. Using Drip with people with shipping information and everything already loaded in there, I was able to do, you know, giveaways, autographs, sealed wax, you name it. Just giveaway, giveaway, giveaway. Even Ian came in at the end and gave away a cool Iverson pink pulsar out of 42 from his collection because he, he was happy that people stayed on the whole time. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, back into the, uh, is there room for both collectors and investors and, and what that means, right? Guys, if you haven't taken a look, I, I clipped... Um, uh, two pieces of the episodes from last week, you know, and, and the one that got really a lot of engagement it's on my page. It's a real, um, you know, does some hobby content scare away new collectors? It, it was a valid question for me. It was something we talked about during, you know, the bear case episode, you know, and I don't want to short trip this. I mean, most people listening to this listen to the whole episodes anyway, but I talked about content from a favorable perspective as well as a, a sort of a negative perspective. Um, and it's funny because, um, the comment section just it was on fire. It really was. And I'm gonna just start with like high level what my thoughts were on that. The bulls beat the bears. But what's funny is the bulls beat the bears. Some of the contents were bearish. Now, let me explain. <laughs> so let me explain. I think the bulls beat the bears because what the comment section and the discussion that went on in it showed me was that the hobby is still filled with passionate individuals from different walks of life, from different ways of collecting, going about it differently with very different ideas of what a successful hobby is or what it means to them. But one common tie, passion which I think is the most important ingredient to success. Now, now, part of the, 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 the premise that I had here was I love the gotcha content. I think it serves a purpose. I think, you know, you have to have in an unregulated industry, you have to have some folks out there kind of shining a light on the stuff that goes on in the shadows, um, holding people's feet to the fire and making sure that the common folks see what's out there before they, you know, jump in and get burned, right? Um, only fair. I think that serves a great purpose. But the premise that I had was, if the content shifts too far in that direction, and if you're a newbie to the hobby or someone looking to come back in, 
you YouTube, you know, sports cards, and that's all you see, right? You Google and all you see is content that says this place is just ripe with fraud, blah, blah, blah. I was, I was fearful that that might scare people away. One of the comments in the, um, you know, in the, in the reel that I had was, quote, I want to scare away collectors. Why would I want more competition if I'm collecting what I love? The only one wanting to grow the hobby wants to profit off of it. And I thought that that was interesting, right? I, I, I thought that was very interesting. And I understand where it's coming from, right? Collectors want to collect what they want to collect and not have to pay more. And if there's more competition in there, great. But, but, hmm, a couple good responses. One response was, I don't want to call you short-sighted. Had to put your laser on me, but I want to say, let's say you love playing baseball and going to baseball games. Wouldn't you want to spread that joy and play baseball with more friends? It's a competitive sport. Go to games, card shows with those new friends. I mean, don't you want to share it? And of course, you know, the response is probably not. You know, some people just want to, you know, keep it all to themselves. What my response was, and don't you love Monopoly Prism for some reason? Because I know this person loved Monopoly Prism. You think it gets made if Panini isn't making money? And that's the product you love. They go hand in hand. If the hobby companies aren't making money, they won't be making things that you love to collect. Now, let's take that and just spread it out a little wider than just this one individual comment. Because I think, listen, there's a lot of watchdogging going on, and that's great. And Jeff Wilson came into the comments and you know was summarily thrown out of the comments. Although I got to give him credit, he just kept coming back and he kept responding and he kept trying to, you know, uh, clarify the record, telling people that they were not, you know, what they were posting was wrong and, and trying to correct it. And that's great. I'm not going to get into him and some of the other comments that are there. I'm just going to generalize. It's funny because it looks like the investor collector is money, non-money. Now, that doesn't mean collectors don't have money. It doesn't mean collectors don't care about money. But if I distilled the comment section down what was going on, there was a segment of people who mirrored the comment that I just read for you, who were collectors and coming at it from a hobby, from a collecting standpoint. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. And basically saying, all right, once the money came in, once people came in for the money, eh, you know, that's when it became a problem. That's the story. Once you, you got the money involved, there's the, there's the concern. You can't be making money off of it. And I mean, just you read the comments, guys. You know, how could you how could you follow content about plays? How could you blindly follow the stuff? You name it, the whole deal. The collectors want to say, I like what I like. I want to collect. The hobby should be about collecting. It shouldn't be about money. And the investor side sort of trying to defend what they were doing was like, um, what's wrong with coming in and investing? What's wrong with coming in and buying something that you know may go up in price. What's wrong with pivoting from that? What's wrong with you know? Okay, that's the way it was, but now we've found the love for the hobby. Also, I'm going to take it a separate way, and I'm hoping there's room enough in the sandbox for both sides to play nice with each other. And, and here's why, right? Do you think fanatics would have come in and spent the money they did on the licenses and all that stuff if we didn't have this recent boom? I'm going to tell you the answer is no. You think Fanatics would have come in and spent all this money on all the licenses 
if the um if there wasn't money to be made, if there weren't people in this hobby looking to make money on it, right? If the businesses weren't flourishing, fanatics would not be here, right? Now, because they're here, now I'm going to take a leap. And a lot of people might disagree with this. I believe that the product that you will be able to collect, I said collect, the products that will be available for collectors will be better, and the only reason why you're going to be able to collect those products is because of the money. It's because fanatics came in. And fanatics did not come into the hobby to lose money. They came in to make money, right? The one-of-one one debuts, the uh, reduction of redemptions, the Victor Wembanyama everywhere. You know, you get a victor. You get a victor. Everybody gets a victor. It's, I believe... That with money comes better cardboard. And I'm going to take it back just for a second, right, to the 80s, right? When we had that 1989 expansion, right, where it went from tops to tops, flare down risk, the tops, flare down risk, score, upper deck, uh, you know, then you had Bowman, you had all these crazy things. You had all, why? Because there were a lot more people coming in, a lot more people spending money. There were people making money. There were more card shows. Right? There are people selling online. There was flipping. It was a lot like what we had now. And you know what came out of that? There was competition. right? There was a demand. There were a lot of people who were willing to spend their money. So the people who were making the products were making better products. And just look at that time period between 1993 and 1998. Call it a five-year period. Look what came out. Or 10-year period, whatever you want to put. From 93, you got the first refractors. You got the first chrome cards in 96, right? Think about that. Think of the shiny, right? In the late 90s, you started getting numbered and serial insert cards. You got jersey cards. You got autograph cards not too far after. You got a humongous change in the way that the hobby hobbied. Yeah, there were chases. Now, I'm sure there are people listening to this who say, you know what? I'd love to go in a time machine and go back there. But a hobby case of 1988 tops. I used that year for a reason. I think it was Heritage. It's the auction that just, just sold this past weekend. Right? Those 88 tops. Matt Williams was like the card in that. 88 tops because there's no real rookies. It was between McGuire and Griffey. And 88 was just not the best year. Um, Greg Jeffries and score. Um, and anyway, so you you... 40 cents a pack. A case at retail back then was like 280 bucks for a full-on case of retail tops, retail price. I think a case sold this weekend for 210. Right? So if you want to go back in time and open up your 88 tops, go ahead. You can. Cheaper than it was back in 1988. Right? No chases. You know, those folks would tell me that there is more gambling. And that the inserts and you name it made it gambling. Okay. I can understand that. I can see that. And some of the comments were out there talking about gambling, that gambling addiction, that the, the hobby now is more akin to gambling. Well, isn't there room for both? I don't know. I don't know the answer. And I know that there are going to be people who say yes. I know there's people who say no, right? I'm not a huge breaking fan. It's not something that I ever did because I think that if you break long enough, um, almost everyone involved in it is going to lose. Sure, at a short shot, 
you know, you can put some money up at the blackjack table and hit. You can put some money in a slot machine and hit a jackpot. You can buy into a break and actually make money one or two times. But over the long haul, the house is going to win. The odds are just not there. Um, do I hope that gets fixed? I think Fanatics is trying. Right? I think Fanatics wants direct-to-consumer on the prices, less markups. I think that you know we saw that news that came out about Fanatics last week and what they're doing to stores. I know the stores didn't like it. I made a funny little uh, video meme about that. I know the stores aren't going to like it. I think there's more chapters to be written in the story of what Fanatics is going to do as far as distribution goes. But what's funny about it is this space, like most spaces, you're not going to make everyone happy. You can't make everyone happy. I don't think we should all be so divisive and miserable about it because then people will stop trying to make people happy, right? Instead, maybe we got to start finding some common ground. You know, maybe there are some products out there that are being made that are good for collectors, that are, you know, uh, something that both collectors and investors would like. Is there such a thing? I honestly don't know the answer. Please comment if you can think of something. That would be, uh, you know, an interesting thing. And Fanatics might hire you if your comment is so great. Who the heck knows? I guess the the the, the moral of the story and the gist that I loved reading the commentary, right? I really did. You got comments like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows in this hobby. There's a lot of scams and other weird stuff happening. Newcomers need to know what's going on. I didn't know about how much crooked business was going on until I started to pay attention to it. That's somebody who obviously loves the content. That's somebody who obviously feels like there is, um, you know, there's some real value to the content that's out there, right? Of course, Burbank Cards comes in and says, check out their content. The hobby has never been stronger. I don't know if I agree. Honestly, I don't. Your sales might be strong. Um, I know a lot of people who have left the hobby. I, I get a lot of DMs from people saying that um, the hobby went from something that was fun for them to... Uh, something that they view now as, you know, basically just gambling, just a casino, just, you know, breaking. A couple of those people I asked, well, what was fun about it for you? And you know what's funny is if you continue along the conversation, and I've had a couple of these, what you find out is what was fun was when they were making money. Now, I'll take a second to let that sink in. People were having fun when they were able to buy Zion's base cards for $25, $30, or $40, grade them, get them back quick, and sell them for $200. I said, well, what's not fun? Well, I can't do that anymore. Now, if I grade cards, they are not worth money, or I don't get them back, or they're worth less. Is that fun? I mean, is it reasonable? Is it reasonable for any hobby, space, industry, you name it, for you to say you're only having fun in it when you're able to make that quick, easy buck? And take it a step further. Is that something that was reasonable to expect to continue? Right. The only reason why that was going on, a couple of reasons, obviously, with grading, slow down, grading, shut down, COVID and the whole deal. But we saw an increase in demand without a commensurate increase in supply. As a matter of fact, the supply was kind of uh, tied off, right? Well, now you have the opposite. There is literally no shortage of supply, and I believe less demand, especially for those kind of cards that you know people are now being told are no longer investable. Um, 
I saw since the end of last season, and people aren't learning. I saw since the end of last season, three of the top 20 graded football cards were Brock Purdy base cards, like base mosaic, base prism, and base Donruss, I think. So people are still doing the same stuff, still hoping for the same catch lightning in the bottle and all the other fun stuff. So, I mean, I will tell you, give, um, you know, great curator came in, said watchdogs bring attention to legit issue. Legit issues is needed. Good for him. All right. Good for him. You know, obviously saying we need watchdogs, right? There are a lot of people out there, though, I got to tell you, who think that there's a lot of scams and grifting and all kinds of stuff going on. The hard-to-swallow truth is we wouldn't need gotcha content if grifters with a year's worth of recent hobby experience hadn't come in claiming to be experts and caused a speculative bubble. The good news is things are normalizing and the hobby is still strong. It may take a while, but we'll get there. I love that comment. I love that comment because while I'm not able to say grifters and, you know, you name it, because there were no names used here, uh, you know... If you're going to accuse somebody, you got to accuse them and actually call them out. I like the comment because it's both negative and positive, but it has a positive outlook. And that's what I think we should be looking for here. All right. Sure, you can't go back to the way that it was positive and negative. You can't go back. And if you were only having fun being able to buy something for $10 and sell it for $50, this probably is not the hobby for you and probably won't be again for decades. Until the next cycle came around, that 80s to 90s, 30 years later, came back around here. Same kind of thing, right? Came back around 30 years later. We'll see you in 30 years. Hopefully, I'm still alive. I'll be I'll be five years too old back then. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm still around to see the next boom. If that's all you were in for, it's probably not the hobby for you. I think that's part of the first part of that comment, right? That people with a year's worth of recent hobby experience came in and caused a speculative bubble. I don't know whether it was intentional, right? It sure does seem that way. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You know, I, I saw, um, you know, Eric Whiteback. He posted a video today on Twitter, um, you know, collectibles guru, of hey, wasn't it a crazy time? You know, in the in the crazy boom, what these things were selling for? I, I think it was a golden auction where they do like a stack and they show like how much, how much and there were three. Michael Jordan rookies or four Michael Jordan rookies, 615,000, 615,000, 600,000. You know, the mantle cards selling for a million and change and, you know, just basically record prices on everything. Now, I'm not ready to say that that was a specifically intentionally caused bubble, but clearly we had a lot of factors going on there and those prices were probably not being paid by collectors, right? But the best part of this comment is, the good news is things are normalizing and the hobby is still strong. It may take a while still, but we'll get there. And I guess my question for you guys is how do we find a way for both collectors and investors to live? How do we find a symbiotic ecosystem for the two? Because I do believe that no matter how altruistic of a collector you are, you don't ever want to open your Beckett magazine and see the down arrow. Even when I was collecting as a kid, it wasn't a good feeling to see that I had a card that went down in value. It was always fun to open up that Beckett magazine and see the up arrow. I wasn't selling. It was the 80s. There was no eBay. 
maybe I was trying to trade with my friends. I love seeing that up arrow because I knew it would be easier for me to get some of the other stuff I wanted, trading away some of the cards that I might not have with those up arrows. But still, it is, I believe, something that is inherent in human nature, right? You're collecting. You want these things. You want to collect something that has some value, not something that's losing value. And I believe, I truly believe that what maintains value in your collection, whether you plan to sell it or take it with you into the next world in your coffin with you, right? what maintains value is an increase in demand and an increase in the user base. I truly believe that. More people who want what you have. Now, you may not care, right? You may, oh, man. I'm just, I don't care. I want it. I want it for myself. You may be that one brand of, you know, altruistic collector. I think the rest of the collectors out there still want to collect something that has some value and something that more and more people are going to want, right? Whether it's your 1982 wrestling all-stars and get to prove you were right. Wow, look at all these Hulk Hogan's I have. And I believe that the investor sect, the people who came in here looking to make a little bit of money on it, the people who are more business-oriented, the people who would say, if they were being honest, if you got the sodium pentothal in there and the little truth serum, they would call this more of an industry than a hobby. I think those folks are the ingredient needed to continue to bring more people into the hobby. Because I think the Fanatics comes in because of that. I think Panini and Fanatics will compete and make better cards, right? I think we're going to get more innovation in the hobby. I think you have great card shows, right? Anybody who thinks the Dallas show is the real national or the Dallas show is a great show, you should be commenting because the Dallas show is a repack show. It's a... The Dallas show is a flip show. It's a show where vloggers make content about, you know, what trades and big deals they're making. And that show was born out of, and I think, you know, became what it is considered today because of this recent boom. Not because of the collectors. I think it's because of the investors. I think the Burbank show is a lot of that too. Right? And it's not bad. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, right? There is no wrong or right way to do this hobby. I think there's room for both. I hope you guys do as well. I have crazy cards in my collection. I actually just sent to PSA a bunch of my Drew Bledsoe's with this $15 special that they have. Drew Bledsoe cards from 1993 that I collected as a 15-year-old thinking that I had the next GOAT. I had the next Dan Marino. I had the next Joe Montana. I was a couple years early. It turned into Tom Brady. But ultimately, I've held those cards. I got my Eddie Jones PC. I'm going to put them in slabs. I'm going to show them off. I'm going to do all that fun stuff. I can love those cards, enjoy those cards, look at my Drew Bledsoe collection and reminisce about going to card shows with my own dad. And then take my son to a show, tell him stories about the guy that we collected that didn't turn out the right way. But also, at the same time, I can also be pulling for the folks here who are more industry than hobby. Because I think that that's the reason that I got my 93 refractor set that I love so much. 
It's the reason why we got a Kobe refractor. It's the reason why we've got Michael Jordan game used and Ken Griffey game used. It's the reason why Exquisite was made. It's like a nuclear arms race, guys. Right? You know, U.S. and, and the Soviet Union. They got to keep stockpiling the warheads. You have to have that competition. You have to have that, that battle. Well, that battle comes from money. It comes from more users, right? The more companies coming in, look, say what you want. Tag grading, you know, Jeremy Lee talks about that company all the time, right? I don't have a grading sponsor, so don't you know, take this for what it's worth. I don't know whether or not their tech is great. But sure, sounds good. Automated grading, get it right. Have the computer get it right. You don't think that that came out of this boom in the hobby? You don't think that came out of this new money in the hobby, this new investors, this new talk, this new excitement about the hobby, the new blood that came in? You don't think they were able to raise money because of that and get somebody like Jeremy to you know leave his profession and join them full time? Well, guess what? I don't know what's going to happen at TAG, but I do know that some of the innovation that they talk about has to be something that the other grading companies are also looking into, are also thinking about, are also looking to potentially use to make their offering better. And that doesn't happen if not for what the collectors want to call the investors, what some of the other folks want to call the grifters. Now, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about people who are coming in and, and committing fraud, right? But don't, 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 don't lump it all together, right? Don't, yeah. That is not what I'm saying. I don't want anybody taking advantage of anybody. It's part of the reason I hardly even break. And if I do break, it's like a 1990 Marvel's break. And maybe uh, this week I, I, I bought a box of, uh, I bought a box of, uh, what do you call it? From Shaquille O'Neal. What the hell was the movie? Blue chips, blue chips with Shaq and Penny Hardaway and Nick Nolte. I bought a, a sealed box of the movie cards, sky box, blue chips cards. Maybe I'll break that. Like that's the kind of stuff I'll do. I don't love the whole like gambling and you know, that, but I understand that it's part of it. I understand breaking is something that is exciting to people. Casinos make a lot of money, right? Casinos make a lot of money. I understand that collectors don't love that, but obviously there are there's a new segment of 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 money coming into the hobby that enjoys that rush, enjoys that sweat. They like the backyard style of content. My kid watches people play video games on YouTube. He watches people, you know, do, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but he doesn't even watch TV, he watches YouTube. Those breakers are that type of content. That is the next wave, whether the collectors like it or not. I truly believe that if we find a way to all kind of coexist in there, the way we coexisted in the comment section, I was trying to police it a little bit. You know, I let it go. I didn't really see anything that was out of line or, you know, real name calling or that kind of craziness. I think it was a great conversation. I wanted to continue it myself and maybe summarize it here for anybody who hasn't been on it and commented themselves. I think it's a great conversation leading into national that we're now one month away from because I'm curious to see what national is like. I already sense a different type of energy leading up to it. Um, I'm real curious to see what it's like. Obviously I will be there. We'll do some live stuff from there. We'll do some content from there. Um, if you haven't seen the comment section with a hundred and something comments on it, please go check it out. It's the most recent reel on my page. Oh, I'm saying, does some hobby content scare away new collectors? I, I hope it doesn't. I can understand if it does. Um, and maybe we're mindful of it, right? Maybe, you know, 
maybe the folks who are out there being watchdoggy, you know, maybe they put a little minute of, you know, hey, this is what happened. But the person I just reported about, that's a one in a hundred in the hobby. You know, that's a one in a thousand in the hobby. Generally speaking, I love the hobby. I'm in here, you know, for years. And obviously I wouldn't be making this content, spending my time, my money, you name it, putting this out there, you know, to help newcomers coming into the hobby if I didn't love the hobby so much. Like maybe just adding in that run-on sentence that I just threw out there, maybe that's helpful too. I don't know. I don't know the right answer. I do believe there's room for both collectors and investors in this hobby, in this industry, in this space. And I believe that things will be better for collectors. Collectors will have better things to collect if we all find a way to kind of coexist. And there is my 30th episode. I can't believe it. 30 episodes of The Hobby with Cage. Hope you guys are enjoying this. If you're not, please leave a comment. Tell me how much I suck. Um, and if you do enjoy it, post it up on your story. I've been, I repost everybody who posted on the story that they check this episode out and they enjoy it. I repost it, lets me link to it. That way we get more people listening. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon.